0: Hello and welcome to the Mastermind Body and Spirit Show. I'm your host, Matt Belair. Today's guest is a lion tracker, wildlife and literary activist, and the co-founder of the Good Work Foundation. He is the author of Cathedral of the Wild and The Lion Tracker's Guide to Life. He has worked intensively over the past seven years in a ceremonial spaces as an apprentice to a peruvian shaman while generating his own system of coaching called track your life which draws lessons from the ancient art form of tracking and his psychology degree from the university of south africa to help people find more meaning purpose and motivation as a speaker and trainer he has taught his system all over the world and has been featured in the new york times and cbc welcome to the show Boyd Varty.
1: Hey Matt, great to be here with you.
0: Yeah, you too, man. How did how did I do on the accent of your name? I was like stressing about it the whole time.
1: (laughs) No, I liked it. You hit like a little South African note there on the way out, you know, Boyd Varty. (laughs) I liked it.
0: (laughs) Well, I got a little French Canadian to me. You think I'd be able to get the accent, but man, every time I try, it's usually butchered. I got to go straight English just to pronounce (laughs) it correctly, man. But it's perfect. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. It was really interesting looking at your work and your upbringing and all the things that you've done. You're definitely a fascinating character. Um, Why don't you bring the audience up to speed a a little bit about who you are um, and how you got to
1: do what you're doing today? Sure. Absolutely. Uh, By way of a little bit of context, I grew up in the wild eastern part of South Africa. and I grew up on a property that my great-grandfather bought in 1926. he bought it Saitan unseen after drinking too many gin and tonics at a tennis party. And it was basically this bankrupt cattle farm adjacent to the wild Eastern National Park of South Africa, the Kruger National Park. And my great grandfather was an avid hunter. He was an adventurer. And this, one of the reasons that the land was so cheap is that the the cattle farming there had failed. And it, it had failed for two reasons. One is that the, It's a very difficult area, dry terrain. But another reason is that lions were eating the cattle. And my grandfather, uh, being an avid hunter and particularly a lion hunter, thought, well, this is where we're going. So in 1926, he set off for this derelict piece of wild land. And that's pretty much where my family has been ever since. Um, For three generations, they went there to hunt. And then when my grandfather died and my father was very young, 15, and my uncle was about 17, um, they inherited the land and, and they went through a very interesting transition at that point. Basically there was nothing happening on the land. The land was overgrown with scrub where the cattle had grazed the land bare. It had become the scrub, you know, thick scrub terrain. There were some animals there, but you never saw them. And everyone in the family, after my grandfather died, said, well, listen, you two young boys have got to get rid of that wild place. It was a bad idea to buy it in the first place. Lion hunting is a dangerous thing. So you've got to get rid of it. And Matt, something inside of them just said, no, we've got to keep this piece of land. They knew from a deep inner place that they were connected to this piece of land. And so they said to the family advisors, we're going to make this place pay. And they said, well, how are you going to make it pay? And they said, we'll work it out. And that's how my family got into the safari business. And the, the property only had these three mud huts on it. It was very run down. And things were very rudimentary. It was, there was really nothing going on there. And enter into the story a character. And it's amazing how when you, and I mean, you know this from your own life, when you, when you get that inner guidance to go for something and you commit to it, things start to show up to support you. And so a man arrived to support these two young men who had decided to keep this piece of land where nothing was happening. And he was this maverick ecologist. And he said to them, if you want this place to work, you need to partner with the land and you need to start to think of the animals as your kin. And he, he, they said, well, what do you mean partner with the land? And because he had spent hours and hours alone in the wilderness, it's almost like he could feel the landscape speaking. He could feel the deep essence of the landscape moving inside of him. And he said to them, I'll I'll show you how to restore this property. I'll show you how to bring it back to life. And so they did away with hunting and they started to actively work on restoring the land where the cattle had grazed it bare. They would go to where the water was eroding away and they were losing all of that moisture and they would start to actually clear the scrub away and pack it into these deep ravines where they were losing the moisture. And over years and years of doing this, the land started to respond. And suddenly the grassland started to come back and then suddenly animals started to appear and, and then into the midst of that journey, as the animals started to appear back on the land and the land itself started to heal, um, a single female leopard appeared to them one day and she walked out in front of this broken down old Land Rover that they had. And she stopped and she turned and she looked at them and then she walked off into the thicket. And up until that time, because the animals there had been hunted, if you saw an animal, it was running. It was ears down, was trying to get away from you. But for a moment, she made this connection. And they drove home together in silence, my father and my uncle, and they stopped the vehicle. And I don't know if you've ever had like a bit of a shocking incident in a car. You know, when everyone stops and just sits there for a moment. They just sat there. And then my uncle turned to my father. And again, out of this deep inner place, he said, that's my future. Whatever just happened, that's my future. And so he teamed up with a local Shangan tracker a man called Alman Shongo, one of the best trackers in the area, a man who had grown up hunting and gathering in that area. And, he, and for the next 12 years, they would wake up every morning, they would go out, and they would find the tracks of that leopard, and they would start to follow. And slowly over time, uh, sometimes weeks and then months, they started to get sightings of this female leopard. And then she started to see over time that they meant her no harm, and she would allow herself to be seen more and more. And eventually it got to the point where you were able to drive a vehicle up to a wild leopard and, and she would let her see you. And the, this incredible trust was being built. That leopard, we called her the mother leopard. She was the mother of that property in some ways because word got out in the world that there was a place where you could go and see wild leopards. And so people started to come from all over the world to this piece of land. And, and the, the lodge grew up, the land restored, more animals appeared. And so, by way of context, I grew up inside of a very fundamental type of restoration. I saw people restore their relationship with the natural world. And I saw how, in the space of one generation from hunting, we had gone to this deep connection with the natural world. And we were able to rebuild the trust and start to live in harmony. And as a young boy, um, that went into me very deeply. And that was, in some ways, my first profound interaction with healing and how incredible the, the essence of life is and how life's essence is to heal and restore if we make the space for it. So that was what I grew up in. And then, and then cut forward um, to the story to when I was about 22 years old, at that time I was really set to become a conservationist. I thought I would follow sort of in my family's footsteps and I was going to be, I was going to work in the conservation field. And I was working as a safari guide. I was taking people out to try and connect them with the natural world. And a woman arrived on my vehicle during a time where I was personally going through some very difficult things. And she was a guest. She had come on safari. And immediately I felt a connection between her and I. She was a, she was a Harvard professor. She had taught sociology. She was a fascinating woman. I felt a connection between her and I. And... And then eventually on, on sort of the third day of her, of her safari, she said to me, um, I took her to track a rhino and we got off the vehicle and I was showing her the way that you can follow the trail of an animal. If you've taught yourself to see certain things. And she said to me, you know, you and I do very similar things. You know how to find something out here in this wild terrain. And I help people track inwards towards what their purpose and mission and calling is. And what I'm seeing you do, there's, there's similar principles here. And I was sort of really struck by this idea. And then she said to me, I believe that the restoration of the planet and the restoration of our relationship with the natural world will come out of a profound shift in human consciousness. And as she said that, I felt that deep inner place inside of me just light up. And I felt sort of like, the past and what I had grown up in all these sort of influential things that I had been connected to growing up and my future kind of come together. And I realized in that moment that my work would be in the work of the transformation of consciousness for the natural world, but by helping people find different ways of living. And, and so that, that's kind of like the backstory and I just, and I knew it very deeply, but, but I still didn't fully understand how, it would express itself. How would, how would this background in restoration of nature, how would this desire to help people find what they're looking for come together? Um, and so I sat inside of that, probably through most of my twenties, just this desire to say like, I believe that humanity has to be a part of changing our relationship with the natural world. It's not gonna, it's not gonna come out of pro- programs. It's not gonna come out of conservation initiatives. It's gonna come out of people shifting their consciousness. Um, and all through that time, I was living between America and South Africa, and I was deeply engaged in the ancient art form of tracking because that's what people did where I grew up. The, the Shungan people who are the people who have grown up hunting and gathering on that landscape. Um, they're some of the best trackers in the world. And from the time I was very young, I was apprenticed to them. I was taught the ancient art form of how you, find the faint tracks of an animal and start to weave yourself into that animal story and how to follow it for miles and miles and miles across terrain. And it's kind of like, it's kind of like a martial art. You, it's a discipline that you apply yourself to, you practice it every day. And as you practice it, you find yourself getting better and better at it. And what I discovered as I was working as a healer and working as a tracker, that the mentality and the, pr- the approach of the tracker had so much to teach us about finding what we're looking for. And so my system of coaching started to become sort to emerge out of spending hours and hours in the process of tracking and in the mentality of a tracker. Um, and so that's sort of, that's kind of the strange way that I came to it. And right now I'm watching how to this day, when someone arrives at a point in their life where they're looking to make change, they've they've gone through a catalytic event and they want to make change. They're looking for a change in career. They're looking for, they've gone through a change in relationship. They're looking for meaning and purpose. If you start to take the mindset of the tracker and start to apply it, it will start to pull you forward in a way very different um, from just sort of rationally trying to work out how to do the next thing. So I don't know if that makes sense by yeah, yeah man, so, that's
0: that's an amazing background. Uh, thank you so much for sharing all that. I was, I was super intrigued and that must have been a lot of uh, interesting and fascinating experiences accumulated through a lifetime. I'm going through that process. There's a lot of different ways I'd like to go with this because I'm curious about a lot of different things, but why don't we just stay on point with um, the mindset of a tracker? Because when you are sharing that, it reminds me of just my Uh, the way I view the world, and it's just through a martial arts lens of learning those principles of martial arts. And, you know, if you talk about Bruce Lee, he said that, you know, everything he does in his life, he learned from martial arts. So he learned everything else and applied it to all the other areas of life. And so the interesting thing about uh, tracking, which I know almost nothing about, um, but can only deduce is it's, it's very nature oriented. And there's a lot of, uh, a lot of unknown, and there's a lot of just time and space and almost faith in a way where, you know, you're sitting in this unknown, you're, you're, you're taking little cues here and there from what you can deduce, but then you have to take those steps um, forward in, in a very, what I would imagine tracking in Africa would be as a beautiful, profound and uh, amazing experience. So why don't you talk a little bit about what, that like the mindset of the tracker and how you would apply that into, um, you know, the Western society mindset, plus, you have a degree in psychology that you can um, merge those two concepts.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, you're right that that a high level of presence in one art form does translate into many other areas in life. And there's a kind of magic to being able to bridge and create a symphony through different parts of your life. Um, so let me talk to, to the, tr- the mindset of the tracker a little bit. And, and this new book that I've written, Lion Tracker's Guide to Life, the goal of the book is to allow people to go tracking and start to, to delve and live inside of each of these principles so that they can really integrate it and, and, and take on the archetype of the tracker as they start to, find what, you know, start to seek and find what they're looking for. But the first thing that you touched on, which is bang on, that I noticed about the trackers uh, or let me, let me say it like this. When I was coaching people consistently, people said to me, well, when I know exactly what the next thing is, then I'll start to make some moves, you know? And they, and they said, I know that this thing that I'm involved in is not feeding me. It's not bringing me to life, but like, I have to be absolutely certain all the steps of the next thing before I'm willing to make a move. And that's totally opposite to the mindset of the tracker. The tracker, the, the tracker hears a call. It, you, may, you may hear a lion roar somewhere out there in the wilderness. And the entire psychology of the tracker is to go without knowing. And trackers build a relationship with the unknown. They are willing to live inside of that unknown. And, and they actually consider that unknown a kind of uh, discipline of aliveness. The, the, the entire cultural um, social cultural milieu that we're in it sells us security all the time. You have to be safe. You have to be secure, and and it's 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 telling you a story of fear all the time and trying to get you to be in the state of security. But anyone who makes big changes knows that you have to make space to sit in the unknown. You have to you have to be willing to start without knowing. Like a tracker, you have to go out there without having a clue what you might find. So that's the first move it's a discipline. It's not a case of like, Oh, it's like willing to not know every step and I'm willing to stay inside of that. Um, and so you can actually train yourself to be more comfortable and let it bring you to life rather than putting you into uncertainty and fear. The next thing that I learned from the trackers, um, and I had two incredible mentors, two men who I think are probably two of the best trackers in the world, a man called Rene Asim Shongo and a man called Alex van den Heerfer. And one of the things that they would do is they would take me out and, and they would walk me down a game path. They would say, you know, a game path is where animals move between, uh, between water and a clearing. They would say, walk down there and tell us what you've seen. So I walk down the path and I would look at the tracks and I would come back and I would say, I heard of impala walk down this trail. And they would say, I'm fun. Young boy, go look again. I would walk back down the path. And I would come back and I'd say, okay, I can see the herd of impala, but I can also see where a hornbill landed and dust bathed, And I can see where a squirrel ran across the road and underneath the tracks of the impala, I'm seeing the faint track of a leopard. And what was amazing about it to me is that, and, and then I would walk down the path with them and there would be 10 times the amount of information to them. And this, this is what we call developing track awareness and it's a fascinating idea to me and it became even more mind-blowing when i started consistently working with leaders and teams the idea that there is information there but you have to teach yourself to see it you have to tune yourself to the information that is there and in terms of discovering the life path the the life path the authentic life one of the keys is that you start to generate an internal set of metrics for the tracks that you are looking for you know because otherwise the entire culture is going to tell you what success is they're going to tell you what you should want they're going to tell you who you should be and it's all going to come from the outside to develop inner track awareness is to go inward and to start to define for yourself the feeling of coming to life the feeling of actually being nourished by something the sense of when something is for you have you ever had that feeling where you um you meet someone or you see something And you you feel sort of something inside of you wake up and go like, yes, that, that, that. Developing inner track awareness is teaching yourself to be tuned into that. So when something moves, that is for you, your body reacts, your nervous system expands, you feel an expansive feeling, you feel an opening in you, and you're alive to that. You know, most of us, we look, but we don't see, and we we listen, but we don't hear. But to be sensitive enough to have taught yourself to see what's for you. so that 's track awareness and, and a, a first part of any transformational process, and what I would say to anyone who's viewing is if you are at the beginning of a transformation and you set the intention to start to say, "I am going to tune in for the next few days for the next week for what makes me feel alive, that feeling of expansion just by starting to put your attention there and tracking is a discipline of attention, they will start to notice images, they will start to notice people, they will start to be caught by certain things and what you're looking for may not be any one of those things, but it's starting to show you the vague outlines of what you're looking for, you know? And so that becomes critical in inner tracking is to, to create a different set of metrics to what I should do to be in the feeling of what actually moves you. Um, then the other thing that would blow my mind about the trackers is if we went out to track a lion, you know, we're operating in an area about the size of Switzerland. So it's a huge wilderness about 10 million acres of wild terrain and so we would hear a lion roar we would go out to that area we would start to walk the area we would start to move around see if we could what they call cutting a track and then if we did cut the track of a lion you know we used to call it the first track boom you're on the first track and then the next first track and then the next first track and the next first track and What was fascinating about it to me is that in this vast wilderness, the mentality of the tracker is to dial the infinite possibilities of where that lion could have gone. I mean, it could have walked anywhere. You dial it down to a first track and then a next first track and then a next first track. And in doing that, you start to pull all of that possibilities down into a moment of presence, a moment of action. Um, And all you need to do is the next move, you know? Um, All you need to know is the next step in the sequence. Uh, And again, so one of the things that I see in working with people, uh, and I'm sure you, you know this too, is that the people who create longstanding, consistent change in their life, some people make really radical changes, but generally it comes out of being willing to consistently make small changes and to be daily alive to the willingness to just take one step towards something that feels a little bit better because if you go on a journey of transformation, you're not going to get all the pieces handed to you at once, you know. Um, and so it's the willingness to take a step and make it a little bit better, to feel a little more alive, to feel a little closer to purpose, and then to see like what comes out of that. Is that great uh, Joseph Campbell quote where he says, "If you can see your whole life laid out before you, it's not your life." And and that I saw that in the track as the willingness, and then, you know. If you're willing to take one step, then things happen. Then you take another step, then things happen. And it's almost like you're starting to work with life by taking your small step to what you can do for now. So the tracker works with the first track. Um, So the unknown, you teach yourself to see your track, you work with the first tracks. Out there with these two mentors of mine, you know, they they would move on the first track, then they would move on the first track. Sometimes, you know, it would be a little difficult to get going but then I would watch them and they would start to go into what I call the following state. A man, you will know this from martial arts and, and anyone who has been pulled by something, by a practice that makes you forget about time will kind of have a sense of this place where all time disappears. And I mean, psychological time when psychological time disappears, the ego disappears. And I would watch these guys following and they would start to go into a kind of state and And as I learned this process, I would feel myself start to go into that state where there's no future, there's no past, you're not thirsty, you don't get tired, you are totally engaged by this animal's movement. And your eyes are picking up the track. Up ahead, you're vectoring against trees, so you get a sense of where the animal is moving across the terrain. Um... You can almost feel the mood and the cadence of the animal, the way that the tracks fall on the ground are telling you the speed it's moving at. You can start to feel its behavior. And you can, they used to say to me as a boy, let the lion into your body, let the animal into you. And what you're doing when you're tracking and you're going into the following state is you letting the mood, you letting the feeling, you letting the cadence, you letting the tracks tell you how this animal's moving. And you're starting to use your own body to fall into a kind of resonance with this animal. And as you fall into this resonance with it, as you move at its pace, as you feel its mood, as you, as you tune into its story, you're almost, um, you're almost going into its mindset. And within that, the following state is defined by what I call constant creative response to what is happening. It's a, it's a very Buddhist type of term. But as you are following, the track is changing direction. You're reacting. You hear an alarm call up ahead. Things are talking to you. The animal slows down. He suddenly changes direction. If you start to get into a preconceived idea of where this animal is going, if you start to, to live in the future of finding it, and you got to, you're not able to make the micro adjustments that the moment keeps asking of you. And, so, and, and it's a strange state because what I would see these guys consistently do is they would be radically, radically obsessed with finding that animal. They would be obsessed with finding it, but they wouldn't allow that desire to find it to become a burden in the moment. So it was this strange, like they were holding two places at once. They, w- they really wanted to find it and they, they were committed to that, but they, was, they were remaining here. They weren't getting too lost out there in the future. Of, I hope we find it. And, and so the following state, when you start to consistently make changes, well, you have to be in constant creative response to what is happening. And again, people want to know this is what I'm rolling out and you can do that in systematized areas of your life. But in the area of personal transformational, personal transformation, personal awakening, it's not going to be a straight line. And so you need to be present and able to consistently adjust to that process. So constant creative response to what is occurring. Um, what will happen 100% if you go tracking, you will lose the track, you know, and, uh, you know, I watch these movies of like, the, I mean, you know, everyone, everyone, like uh, you watch the movie of the tracker and, the, and the, the tracker like never loses it. No, great trackers consistently lose the track. It happens. And it's not so much um, that you have to stay on and it. it's more how good you are at refinding it when you lose it. So when a tracker loses the track, they'll do one of two things. They go back to where they had their last clear track and they reassess or they will keep moving forward and trying things. And this is really important. They'll go try an open piece of ground. They'll walk to an opening in the clearing where there's a path. They'll check if the animal cut down there. They'll use their knowledge of how lions move and they start checking any open terrain to cut the track up ahead. But the reason it's important in the the state of inner tracking transformation is you go on a journey to change, you go on a journey to purpose and meaning, uh, you let go of some security to find something that actually feeds you a little more, you are going to lose the track. And if you don't know that in advance, you might think, shit, now I'm out here in this unknown. I'm on this, I'm on this living on the track of this feeling. I've lost the track. I don't know what's happening. You know, I I knew what was going on back there in the safe zone. It's much, you know, I'm just going to go straight back. I don't know what the hell's going on here. So you have to know that you're going to lose the track and when you do, you become present again. You make space for the unknown, you go back to your first track, you develop your track awareness, you get back to following, and understand that losing it is going to be a part of returning to it. Um, so, so that will, that, that's 100% on the cards for you if you want to live as a tracker and you want to live in the archetype of a tracker. Another thing that I say is never track alone. There are times when I have been tracking alone but consistently, I find that to track with other trackers, um, it's, it's more fun. We move faster. We support each other in the journey. Um, we can share different skill sets. One of us might be really good at seeing tracks. One of us might be really good at predicting. One of us might know how this particular pride of lions, where they like to cross a riverbed, a crossing point they know. So when we start to put that together, we can support each other in the process. And if you go on the journey of personal transformation, very quickly, you want people around you who can support your life as a tracker, who can support you going on this journey. if you have people around you who um, well a lot of the time if you 're not careful, you can end up when you decide to make a change and others aren't well they will sell you their fears you know they will tell you why they think it's not possible because they're not doing it um, and so you want to you want to be around people who you want to quickly try and work out who can actually support you and build the community that can support you as a tracker. Um, and then I'm just, I'm just flashing to a story now, as I'm talking to, you you know, a little while ago, um, uh, and it's in the book myself and these two guys, we, we spent a whole day tracking a a male lion and we must've tracked for five or six hours and somewhere around the fourth hour. I remember that the tracks came down onto a a beautiful game path that ran along this riverbed. Um, and we were actually, what we were trying to do is we were trying, we knew the lions had gone down to the river. And so what we were doing is we had gone down onto this game path and we were walking at it on a 90 degree angle to where we thought the lions had moved. And we were hoping that on the game path, we could cut their, their tracks. We would come across their tracks. And it's a technique that they call in tracking speculative deductive tracking. You have a sense of where they've gone, you walk a big half circle, and you try and cut across the trail. Does that make sense? Um, so we're walking down the game path, and I heard a sound. It was kind of like a wet canvas slapping on a sort of like a wet canvas sound. And we look down the game path, and walking down the path towards us is a huge elephant bull. And this elephant is. He's been in the mud in the river and he's just glistening black when they, you know, when they get wet, they, they go like black, like anthracite. And he's got huge clods of mud dripping off him. But as we see him coming towards us, we kick the ground and a little puff of dust comes up and, and blows on the breeze. And immediately as one, we all step downwind and we stepped off the path and there was a small, um, Lala palm, like a little palm tree, uh, but like quite thick. And we, we crept around and we crouch right next to this um, palm tree. So the tree is kind of shielding us and we all sit very, very still. And elephants don't have great eyesight. Um, particularly if you stay very still, they have amazing sense of smell and hearing. But if you're very still and you're quiet, um, sometimes you can go undetected. And this bull walked towards us down the path and as he was approaching, Matt, it was, it was almost as if his energy field, it, it felt to me like someone had struck a gong and there was this tremendous vibrational field and just the, the size of the vibration coming off him. Um, I could feel it kind of going into my own body and it felt like a spike in adrenaline, but it, I also just understood it as like energy going upwards. And he came closer and closer and then eventually he stopped right on the path where we had been standing. And I remember he was right above us and his shadow almost fell across us. And he was smelling the ground with his trunk and he could smell where our feet had been on the path. And he was testing it. And we were so close to him that I could hear the mud dropping off him. just like And inside of this huge energy, I felt myself vibrating. I could smell the crushed vegetation he'd been eating. Um, I could feel his presence so profoundly. And after he tested the ground, a bit, he shook his head and the the ears slapped and just this incredible giant presence over us. And then he turned and he began to walk down the path. And as he walked away, I could feel like slowly, the energy starting to subside a little bit and just the most, the stillness and the majesty and how old the presence of an elephant on that landscape is. And I felt it go into me and, I had that sense of like, uh, what does is, what is, uh, Joseph Campbell say? He says, we're not looking for the meaning of life. We're looking for the feeling of being alive. And in that moment, there was just this overwhelming feeling of aliveness. And I was really struck by how, how that is the thing we actually want, but sometimes we don't know we want. We think, we think we're looking for, for something. But what we're looking for is to live inside of a certain kind of feeling. It's not going to be given to us by the right this or the right that. It's the feeling we're actually seeking. And the reason I tell that story is that, you know, trackers are incredibly curious. And they think, I think of curiosity as the discipline via which life pulls you to a destiny that's almost better than what you could have imagined for yourself. And if you live as a tracker, in that moment, I realized, you know, we set off this morning to track a lion. We just had this incredible encounter with an elephant uh, that I didn't even know would happen. I didn't know it would come. And to live as a tracker is to open yourself to encounters that you can't even imagine. You start to get in touch with that feeling inside yourself. You teach yourself your own unique track. You learn the way life speaks inside of you in a very particular way. You learn your own medicine way, you might call it. And you start to live towards that feeling. You know, there may be things you know you want to do. But there are other things that you don't even know you want to do yet that will start to come to you out of living inside that mentality of the tracker. Um, and so those are some of the core lessons. And then the other lesson I, I, I think of as I'm talking is I remember that day when we eventually, when we eventually found that lion lying in the river. Um, it was just this incredible moment where we, we saw the lions. They were lying down in a beautiful opening in the riverbed. Um, the male had joined up with a female and there were some cubs and it was just this very ancient scene and they hadn't seen us. We were hiding behind a tree up on the riverbank. Um, and I thought to, for me personally, I remember, I thought my great grandfather had gone there to hunt lions. And now four, four generations later, I was able to see some wild lions and be, and to leave them be in their natural habitat and to let them go about their life. And I, I loved how that transformation had happened inside of me. And I looked at my friends, Alex and Renius, and they were just so, for them, although we had found the lines, it wasn't about finding the lines. It was that we had spent the day, uh, you know, living as trackers. And we had spent the day inside this incredibly engaging art form. And the finding was a huge bonus that, you know, if we hadn't have found it, we still would have had this incredible day together. And I think that becomes, that becomes the goal is to, to live as a tracker
0: Oh shoot, Boyd! Boyd, you started breaking up, man.
1: You shoot, did you? So, oh, sorry. You,
0: you're. I'll let you know when you come back in. It it got squirrely. Maybe try to pause your pause your video for one second, because I know you are getting into something important. I've just been sitting here enjoying listening so uh yeah that will work hopefully you'll pause and come back in We was right into some good stuff there Jeez. okay there we go and sorry have you have you got me i do you're a little bit robot-y but i think i got you you want to test it Oh shoot you might still be a robot You were clear the whole time, but it just recently started to oh, yeah. get a little bit squirrely.
1: Are you there? Are you yes. there? I'm... Yeah, I don't know why. I'm sorry. That's it's, all right. Uh...
0: Okay. Yeah, I think we're back in the game. So we'll ask the internet to cooperate. Um, you were just getting into um, it's not a really important part. I think you were going to make a statement. So I lost you about the last like 30 seconds. Basically, the last thing that I was hearing and taking notes was, was like the path is the reward. You know, you're, you're ending as that's when it started breaking up. You're saying, you know, we had seen the lions, but for them, it was that we spent the day as a tracker and then you were moving on from there.
1: Yeah. And, and that, that's like really the core of it is that although we found the lions, it was the fact that we had lived inside of that process and the process itself was the thing that was nourishing us. And so, you know, without being cliched about it, it's it's about the journey. It's about the, um, I just consistently see it. It's inside of people you will find, if you go on these journeys, you will find levels of more and more fulfillment. Um, but it's to live more presently, consistently, presently and engaged by the process of living itself. That is the thing that actually nourishes us. And you know, the the reason that I have come to this now, Matt, is I think of people who are willing to live as trackers, as activists in this time because the way that modern life has offered us to live uh, it's leaving a lot of people tremendously isolated it's leaving us in a mentality of endless comparison against each other you know we don't relate to each other we're always comparing how am i doing in comparison Um, it makes us tremendously anxious we are disconnected from the natural world and so i'm thinking of tracking now as people who are willing to live like this, the, the reason they're activists to me is that they start to live differently and they start to want different things and they start to define success differently and they start to live lives that put these, these different definitions together. And those people are starting to literally make different ways of living and, and show us what's actually important. And I think that transformation of consciousness will come out of more and more people actually taking up the mantle of living more simply, living towards experience rather than consumerism, um, actively finding ways to be more connected with each other in nature, finding ways to engage in work that feels genuinely meaningful to them, but it's a journey to it. And but people who do that start to show other people, they become like a kind of a, a tuning fork for other people to say, this is possible. I'm just changing my position here to take you out of the sunlight Yeah, so so that's sort of um, that's the core of it and and I think that right now the natural world is the natural world is screaming at us to wake up and pay attention and and I think that one of the ways to you know, I, I always think of, of humanity as like a kind of uh, hive mind, you know. And I think that a lot of individuals starting to get in touch with different ways of living is an opportunity to fire the algorithm for something different. And, and that's, that's the core. And, and also, I just feel like um, I've worked with enough people now. I mean, I'll tell you honestly, Matt, when I was like a, a, in my 20s and I first started to come across and be introduced to the world of life coaching, I was kind of like a, a beer drinking, rugby playing South African from the, from the wild. And I was like, life coaching, you know, what have they invented now? In my experience, life doesn't need a coach. Life knows exactly what it's doing. You know, the a leopard knows how to be a leopard. A lion knows how to be a lion. Trees know how to be trees. But as we became more separated from, from like our more wild self, yeah, we, we need help getting back to it. Um, and so I think that that's, that's the time we're living in. Now is those, we, those of us, we need to go wild again. And by that, we need to go back to a more natural way of being. Um, and so, so being a coach and having worked now with enough people to sort of close the loop on, on what I was thinking about there is, I actually saw consistently that people can heal, people can change. I, and, and when I started to see these tremendous acts of transformation, I started to really believe in what was possible and I I came to believing in what was possible in the field of transformation as a skeptic. I didn't come to it as a, you know, as an acolyte. I was like, what the hell is this? And then I started to see it consistently. I started to see how a person could get in touch with this wilder place inside of them, this place that spoke in feelings, this place that spoke in expansion, this place that spoke in aliveness. And they could start to follow that and they could start to realize that not Everything they were believing was true. They started to learn to question their own thoughts. Tremendous things were possible. And um, I certainly feel like that's, I know that doing that work, living that, consistently questioning myself, consistently living towards the feeling myself, um, sharing it with other people as much as I can, um, not as a teacher, just as someone who wants to do it and live like that um and saying to people we are the tribe of forgotten trackers you know those of us right now and you'll know it because there's that like intuitive sense inside of you that you're here to be a part of a transformation you know and and it's time so that's 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 really uh it's time for the tribe of forgotten trackers to wake up and start following from a different place again
0: Holy smokes, man. That was friggin' amazing. The Just learning about that whole process. For me anyway, everything that you said was incredibly spot on and I feel like it won't do it justice to kind of repeat everything, but I'm going to just do it in small points because – I resonate with each and every part, and I think that they 're integral parts of um, whether you want to call it awakening or, or shifting or conscious living or or just impact, like from a state of do you wake up and are you excited to be alive or do you hate everything and you want everything to change so however you want to refer to the the positive one, you can have that, but you know i 'm glad that my my instinct was kind of was on to a degree because I can only imagine what that's like through some of the experiences that I've had and you touch on it right away where there is this element of faith and also that so many people get stuck because they want to do the right thing. You just got to do something. You got to, and in doing something, you get feedback from the environment and then you can continue to progress. So as you went through this story, it really is for me, like the path of awakening. There's a very famous, um, Zen set of poems called the 10 bulls. And it's very similar in in ways to what you're sharing. And that path it, it reminds me that they say you know there are a million ways to the same path home. Well, in going through that process of mastery, you've kind of discovered what it is like to be fully alive for you. And in doing that, you can share these principles that are universal because other people experiencing that in certain ways are are sharing incredible incredibly similar principles, but sometimes they won't, you know, recognize all the principles. And one of them I really loved was if you are tracking a hundred percent of the time, you're going to lose the path. And I think that people, when they go from, let's say the disempowered space to, all right, I want to, I want to live a little bit more passion. I want to do what I love. I want to start asking myself meaningful questions. And again, like the part about just redefining success and having your own tracking system that's going to generate different feelings. And the aliveness and the expansion is about being human and and about being thrilled and about being a part of this. And I see it as growth, you know, as we m- move to the next step, we can't imagine what the next step might be 10, 20 steps down the line because we're constantly growing. It might be like, i don't know a baby eagle or something it's it stays and it does a little flight and then over time it's like holy crap i can go like however high up you know what i mean and holy smokes i can dive down this fast that's that's nuts i you know i didn't realize i had that kind of capability um so just in incredibly succinctly put And I agree with with all of it and especially love the part of when you when you begin that transition, it's not complete. It's the daily process. It is the path. And you kind of describe it a lot of how when I'm interviewed and I talk about Zen athlete and the final piece I say is the Zen piece. And that's like, you know, if you're an athlete or you're a human looking to change your job, you know, become an entrepreneur, provide for your family in a meaningful way. And you hit that. Well, that's going to be great when you hit that. But can you be whole, fulfilled, happy, harmonious in the process of the transition, in the process of being 15 years old, 20 years old, in university, you know, 30, because you can die at a step of the way, 40, 50, 60, you know, there's no real completion. It's like, it's going to continually evolve and you, and you stay within the process.
1: And, and, and you know, as you're talking, like to live like this, it requires, it requires the warrior's heart, you know, you got to. You've got to be brave. This is not like some, uh, this, is, this is not the easy path. It's not like, oh, we're going to go over there and, you know, live, find my purpose and meaning. Because, like, even if you look at what Campbell said, you know, he said, uh, uh, you know, the whole thing of follow your bliss. Everyone's like, follow your bliss. He said, the one path is towards the structure of modern life, the other path is to follow your bliss. And that's like the bumper sticker, you know, follow your bliss. But what, know, what people don't know is that what he said after that, follow your bliss, there's a very good chance that you'll have to live with not being respected, but you will be living your life. Because if, if you live like this, there there will be a period of time where people can't place you. You won't be able to fully place you. You're moving forward. And it's a discipline to be willing to stay in it. It's not easy. Sometimes it it's difficult to build structure around moving towards that. It requires like the willingness to keep going. And so, all that to say, you know, this this is. I don't I don't ever talk lightly about this path. Um, it's a path of discipline. It's a path of being willing to show up. It's a path of continuously being tuned in. And and there will be times where, where people and you will not know exactly where you're going. Uh, but the willingness to understand that there is something that will pull you forward. Um, and there's a there's a way that if we can fall into rhythm with life, it starts to show us the way.
0: Um, that's amazing. I'm I'm super glad you've said that because I I don't think a lot of people will talk about that or even phrase it in the way that you phrased it. And I like the idea of the warrior's heart. I can only know for sure my own direct experience. And in pursuing those things and defining them for myself and what meaningful, you know, what a meaningful life is, what I, what do I value? That's something that I think that when I interview different people and talk to different people in the world, that's something that I've been able to excel at is define what it is that I wanted to learn, how I wanted to grow and how I wanted to experience something and go ahead and do that. And it's been super, super, super hard. And it's required a tremendous amount of faith and dedication and perseverance. Oh my goodness. And it's still not like everything's solved. You know, I've probably done it as ugly as possible way. Um, but it, I I find that where people get to the space or, or they're going through the process and they're really proud of themselves and what they've learned and how they've grown and, and what they're trying to do. It's so it's like, Hey, you know, like, what are you up to in the world? What am I, what are you trying to do? They have that idea kind of flushed out through trial and error and perseverance and, and going through all those um, tribulations of the process and, and finding it their own way. And I think that in the self-help community, you know, there's a lot about, you know, following your bliss. And I used to think enlightenment was like, ah, yeah, I'm going to get to the state of consciousness. I'm going to float around in a cloud and my mind. is going to be all hunky dory, you know, and the more I go, it's, it's not that, but you can, if you can define like moving towards a space of meaning, you know, in engaging in the process fully towards that, that path or that, that way that you decide that you want to go through your own value sets from a state of like, can you do it from a state of completion and contentment? That's the challenge, and that for me is the higher consciousness, is the contentment, and the closest version that I can be of, of floating on a cloud in my own mind. Some people are better than on and than that than others, but I think that that's a part of it because. Just like when you're tracking and you're moving on this, you're going to get to spaces where you lose the path, where you're like, wait, did I do all this for nothing? Am I off path now? Have I gone too far? You know, how do I recalibrate and reset? But I, it, I equate it to like you're on a canoe in the middle of an ocean and you don't know where you're going, but each stroke, each action, Builds a little bit of movement towards that thing. And as you start to refine and get more things, um, more experiences, you're going to refine your direction. Then eventually the ocean's so vast, it has these, um, you know, streams and you're going to be pulled into this bigger stream that you're not even aware of. It's pulling you directly to where you need to go. And now you're, you're engaging in life. You're a part of this thing that is so much bigger than you could possibly understand.
1: And, you know, one of the things you're saying there too, which I really resonate with is finding your own way with it, finding your unique way with it, because, you know, there's that old saying in, in the native communities of there is nothing more healing than finding your unique gift and sharing it. And one of the great things about the tracker and what I'm hearing you say is that it's not, it can't be defined by anyone else. And as you go into this practice, and what I see this consistently emerge, like everyone's way with this thing, you know, this path, this authentic life is unique. It's different. And you, and you get to learn your unique offering. You get to learn how it's calling you forward. You get to learn what's being asked of you. And it's different for everyone. You know, and I'm, I'm always amazed at what, how quickly certain people define what brings them to life. And it's, it's different. And in that differentness, it also it creates a diversity, you know. If you're around um, people who've done a lot of ceremony work together, one of the, or ceremony work even, ceremony work at, at, at its core is like getting under the layers so, you can, so that you can be yourself. You can strip off all the things you were told to be, all the things you should be, and just be yourself. And what's cool about being around people who've been in ceremony a lot, or people who've done a lot of Zen, or people who've just sat with taking off the layers of what you should be, is they're all super unique characters because they found their, they found their beat. They found the way that their harmony comes out. They found their unique sound and harmony to me is like, everyone is uniquely themselves and being in being uniquely themselves. They belong in the way when you look at an ecosystem between the trees and the plants and the animals, they're all different things, but together it just fits. Um, and so this is a path of uniqueness this is a way of finding your gifts and sharing them and in a way that heals you that takes you to your authentic life and that serves Uh, and that seems worth doing to me
0: that's amazing man dude i love your analogies because i use the same one so the ecosystem one the only addition that i say is like when you're doing something that is not you, let's say you're you're there and you're like uh, the turtle or you're the, the, let's use the elephant example. You know, if the elephant is pretending to be the lion or trying to be a bird or be anything that it is not, it's going to be miserable. It's not going to be alive. It's not going to have that feeling that you're speaking of. And it's not going to grow in the way that an elephant would grow. But then when it starts to ask itself questions about what it's like and, and who it is authentically and let's go of, you know, he wants to be fast like the cheetah and he wants to fly like the bird and wants to do all these different things when he lets that go and becomes who he is or who they are they're gonna they're gonna fit in and they're gonna benefit the whole ecosystem That's how everybody benefits. The whole ecosystem is wanting and is supporting you to be uniquely who you are. And as you said before, you put it in a really great way, like the way that our society is set up right now, it's, it's really, you know, it's not supporting aliveness. It's more supporting a little bit of a robotic society and and very safe. And that's, you know, we need to be safe. But, you know, I think our society is really preying on that safeness and all these things that are, that are navigating in our world with money and finances and baloney and things like that. It's, that's what's really pushed on us as a culture. So it's very, it takes an immense amount of courage to really re-identify who you want to be, how you want to live. And ultimately, one thing that I like to share with people is you're more powerful than you think. You got to give yourself a chance. You have, to, you have to take a little bit of a leap you know like if you were taken away like everything and you were homeless and you know both your arms were broken and you know you would find a way we we are so much more capable than we give ourselves credit for but sometimes we're like the uh, the analogy of a uh, of a frog in warm water, where if you put it in warm water, you slowly boil it, it'll boil himself to death. But if you put him in hot water right away, he'll jump right out. And so we get to this state of comfort where you're like, you know what? I don't want to put any effort towards that. This is fine. And you almost kind of numb out. You kind of just go with the flow because it it's too daunting and too hard to um, turn that lens around and really redefine things. But you also spoke about the tribe too and, and finding like-minded people Just remember, if you do have that impulse, if you have that desire, if you have that question, just start asking it and just start doing something, anything. There's no right path. There's no perfect path. There's so many techniques. Just you know, go outside. There's no right technique. Just make any actual action. Start writing stuff down. Move towards it. It's going to unfold. The path will unfold as you begin walking.
1: As you're talking, I'm I'm thinking of the story, um, a little while ago. I did a talk and I I was gave a whole talk on tracking and the talk was centered around the book, Lion Tracker's Guide to Life. So it was like, I was telling the stories that are in the book. And I mean, I was really deep into it. The lion moving us on the trail, monkeys alarming. When you start to get close to the lion, it's like the whole wilderness is talking to you. Animals are alarming at the lion. You can feel its presence. You can smell it up there ahead of you. And you're in tune with this like incredible unfolding. You can feel the tension in the air. You're getting close to a large predator. And I told this whole story. And after this talk, um, this woman in the front row said to me, "You know, when you were talking, I knew exactly what you were talking about." And because I, I was saying like all of this, all of this happening makes you incredibly present. She's like, "I knew exactly what you were talking about." I crochet. Now, well
0: hold on you're breaking up after you said she crocheted this th- this wait, thing that she uh, wait, yeah, oh sorry so yeah you yeah, got so me? Y- yeah i, I gotta know what you're saying because it froze exact exactly as she told you that she wait, crocheted have you got me i think so
1: yeah oh uh, uh, sorry yeah so she says she says i crochet and yeah. <laughs> for a moment i was like for, for a moment i was a little bit um like I didn't get it. And then it struck me that for her, like when she is involved in that craft, she is in absolute presence. And when, she, when we go into presence and psychological time disappears, and you are right here, um, and you are in that moment, in your action, you're like, it doesn't matter what you're doing it's, it's the same state. And I had to check myself and be like, yes, it's different for all of us, but, but we can go into the state of presence and then something else comes through us. And that's what we're actually all ultimately looking for. She knew what brought her to life. She knew what brought her into a deep presence. And, and like where I landed was in fundamental respect for that.
0: That's amazing. And as you shared that story, what, what came up for me is like immediately when you said crochet is like, you know, that's funny and ridiculous, but then on the same side of like meaning and the ecosystem, you know, if she crochets and she she has like a granddaughter or something like that, you know, she is giving all these little offerings to people that are actually of value. You know, all of these little gifts that she gives in her unique ecosystem to share with everybody on something that, you know, as myself as an athlete and explorer and traveler and things, I'm like, Oh, it's gotta be this big and vast thing, but just doing something Um, helpful for your community. And the small acts is huge, you know, and it doesn't have to be this grandiose thing. I think it can be something incredibly simple and that it it also helps other people. Can you hear me? You look like you might, may or may
1: not. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. No, no, I got you. I got you. Okay, cool.
0: Yeah. So, you know, man, everything that you shared is so a hundred percent spot on and and I, I definitely see you as like a kindred spirit of learning the things that i learned through martial arts and snowboarding and extreme sports you learn through tracking and anybody can learn like you you phrased it through just an art form you know aspiring to excellence and something that you enjoy you can apply those skills to all areas of life and and i particularly like your your way of phrasing like you start to get pulled you know it like i can feel it i've done in my life really stupid things Logically, you know where i 've traveled what i 've done with no money, you know what I mean, what situations that i 've put myself in logically is stupid um, to ninety percent of people, but I knew in my guts that I had to show up to, at this spot that I had to go do that experience that I had to go you know whatever I had to do, I knew, and it wasn 't a guess, and, and now, over time, it makes sense, but in that moment, I had to have the courage to take that step forward and we can all learn those things and, and get that sense and that feeling and I like the way you put it because it's, it's this feeling of aliveness or this inner knowing. And you just know, but you're refining that through the actions that you're taking, through the things that you're doing. And so you can become the creator of that. And it's not like you're guessing. You kind of have to guess at first, but it gets the more you do it, you get better and better. And it becomes clearer and clearer. And uh, that's you just being able to sense all of the information in your environment.
1: You teach yourself to see your track yeah man you're on it you, you've uh it's cool because with your background and your disciplines, like someone who's got the kind of practice you've you've got like it's just so fast you 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 understand these places and uh it's it's been really cool like being able to jam with you
0: yeah man this is this has been a real treat i i can't wait to get your book and read it this this is such critical knowledge, and the way that you share it. The best part is it's such a compelling story. And in story, a lot, of, a lot of times we're not even realizing what information is getting there. It's layered. One of my teachers is a Native American elder. And the more I, he'll say the same story, and sometimes I'll get another layer and another layer. And as just you share that experience, people are going to get layers yeah. of information they might not even be consciously aware of. So really amazing stuff. What I wanted to ask you before we close it up, because we got to an hour and this has been amazing, but is there anything that you wish that I'd asked or a story that you want to tell or anything that you want to leave the listeners with before we uh, close it out?
1: Uh, You know, it's been such a great conversation. I feel like, uh, I feel like, you know, maybe the last thing that you said there is also really key. I, I feel like um, this book that I just wrote line trackers guide, it, uh, it came through after spending, you know, a number of days out following with these guys. And I feel like uh, there's code in that book, as you're saying. I feel like that book can be read on a lot of different levels, and at a lot of and at a lot of different times of life. And I, I hope that it gives a lot to people. Um, and so, so yeah, I would say if anyone heard more about the work, would invite you can, uh, all about tracking some of the retreats we do, some of the books we've got, and so yeah, thank you. Amazing, man. Yeah, dude, this has been a
0: pleasure and an honor. I hope to be able to see you speak one day. I am full support. You definitely know what you're talking about, and uh, the principles are all very sound and inspiring. So I definitely invite people to check out your work, check out your book, um, and support it because I'm sure um, it's going to be an amazing read. So thank you so much for coming on the show, man, and and we'll stay in touch.
1: Thanks so much, Matt. Great to spend some time with you.
0: You too, man. Yeah, thanks, guys, for watching. Peace. Cheers, everyone.